Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story by Michael Shockey that he first shared on the podcast in July of 2012. Here is Michael now with a story we call The Beast is Real. So at this time, I was 17 years old. I was in uh, my senior year. And uh, in my English honors class, we were uh, just starting to read Lord of the Flies. And uh, our teacher, Mr. Braille, he just got up and he was introducing the book. And he just he was like, hey, i got a question here, guys. How many guys believe humans are inherently evil? And everyone rose their hand but me. Everyone kind of snickered, made fun of me like, oh, look at Goody Two-Shoes over here. And at the time I was working at Target and my dad, for some reason, he had like an image problem about me pushing carts at 17. Like I was supposed to be like successful already. And my mom had been working at a department store. So he had kept on pushing me into working into one of those because you wear a suit, you look prestigious. It's nice, even though you're only making like seven bucks an hour. So I finally went in there where I was selling men's pants and accessories pretty boring for like six months nothing happened really like barely anyone came in and then one day my boss just walked by me and he was telling me and the guy next to me in the department like hey mike you're training your first person today and as he's walking away from me he goes he was a disarmed discharged marine and one thought like went through my head it was like at that time i was like I learned that if you got disarmed discharged, you couldn't vote. And I thought that made you a bad person. So I'm expecting the worst monster that I was like, I'm training someone that couldn't be controlled by the military. How is he going to listen to me, you know? And I weighed, what, 125 at the time. And I was like six foot. I was a very scrawny, awkward kid. So about a minute or two later, this guy in a suit comes strolling down like the uh, pathway that we always kept on noticing. We're like, oh, this has to be the guy. He's in a suit. He's doing like the weirdest walk I've ever seen. Very shaky movement of like his shoulders and his legs. I've never seen so much movement in a body before. That was like the very first time. Anytime now I've seen that walk afterwards, it's usually like with drug addicts kind of. Or like a guy that's acting like he's a pimp. And I was like, that's got to be him. That's Joe. He comes up and he's like, hey, I'm Joe. And so I shook his hand and he just squeezed my hand so hard. So my first line was, hey, Joe, like, where'd you just come from? You know, I didn't know if he was going to say from the military or any other thing. He was like, oh, this is my first job ever. And I was like, oh, that's cool, man. So what do you like doing for fun? I thought military guy. He's going to talk about some awesome parties. He said, eh, not much. And then he just boarded out. By the way, I have heads in my basement. I didn't know how to react for like a second or two. And then I just went with a quick impulse of, ha ha, good one, you know? But in my mind, I was like, did he just say that? And I kind of like glanced over, like the guy in the next apartment heard him clearly. So my plan of attack then was to make the quickest training ever. You know, it was like, let's get in, get out real quick. And so I show him like the register for like 
five minutes and then he just walked away and you know under normal circumstances i probably would have like tried getting someone back in like hey let's go back but with joe i was like all right he wants to graze out there away from me totally fine by talk to the shoe guy and i was like hey what do you think i should do and he was like joe's kind of staring at you kind of weirdly let's try getting someone else over here and he was like no offense maybe you switch departments let's just see what your manager says so i called my manager I tell him, I'm like, hey, I'm kind of a little bit nervous here. He's like, I, I bet you Joe's nervous just like you are. And I was like, no, I don't think he's nervous just like I am. And at that point, I looked back, and he's just kind of creeping behind a coat rack, and he's just kind of staring off at me. And I'm like, quickly looked back. Like, I was just like, yeah, I clearly was not going to look at you, Joe. That don't, don't murder me or anything. So lunch break comes around. I've got the last half of the day. Maybe he'll be better. Maybe he's not a morning person. Although I don't know many morning people who are already talking about having heads in their basement, you know. So I go and I come back and I tell Joe, hey, you want to go take your lunch? He was like, no problem. He just leaves. Bam. That was the last time I saw Joe for like a good five hours. So I was like, this is the best day of my life. The guy left. Me and the shoe guy were just like high-fiving. We're like, well, I guess he wasn't made for retail. So normally what happens in department stores, at least at this one, was that they scheduled everyone at 6.15. Everyone left together. Everyone's safe. Closers come in together, and then they all leave together. So 6.15, my closer hadn't shown up yet. I had no problem. Joe was gone. I was living life, kind of. Told me he was going to be 15 minutes late. No biggie. I had nothing planned. First day of Christmas break, and it's snowing outside. So it's like, I know I'm going to have a slow drive outside. I'll be fine. So he comes in. I give my till off to the uh, managers, tell them, hey, I'll be back tomorrow, see you guys. I start walking out the employee exit, and I'm like right at the sidewalk where it's like meeting up with the actual parking lot. And I'm about to take that step, and I was just taking like a breath and kind of like looking back a little bit at the day, but at the same time, like, I can't believe I just met that guy earlier. My friend's going to love this, that I met some weirdo. And as I'm coming down, there's like an ice patch, right? I take a step and I get pushed from behind. Now at the time at 17, I didn't really have good choices and friends. So I had thought, this is one of my friends pushing me on the ground. I get up, look around. It's not one of my friends. It's Joe. First thought that was like, what the hell? This guy left at lunch and he's been hanging around here? All right. I'm really freaked out by this guy. The facial expression that he's giving is probably by far the scariest look besides when I've made my dad angry. It's kind of like one of those looks, except... He's not my dad, so it's like really freaky, you know? And it's, I'm like, all right, let's just play this off. We'll be fine. Maybe he's just going to say some words to me. No, this conversation will be over. And then he just asked me this weirdest riddle. He goes, are you a man's man or a woman's man? For like a second or two, I'm just like, what the fuck did he just say? The other part of me is like, let's be a smart ass and just... Two answers came quickly out of my mouth. It was, hey, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm straight, not gay, but I have nothing against gay people. Like, it was just like, I think I covered all my bases here with them, you know? I think I'm free. And Joe reacted quickly because he basically reached into his coat pocket. And I'd never seen a switchblade besides in movies, so I wasn't really, like, in touch. And he just flung open the switchway like it was nothing. It was just drilled into his mind of how to do it. Bam. I'm still in the suit. It's cold outside, but 
all I'm feeling is just all this panic and nervousness of now that there's a knife. And I think something bad's really going to happen here. I was like, this is no longer something suburban. This is something you see in the movies. And the only fight move I knew that could have worked and would have worked was just kicking him in the balls and making a run for it. I had dress shoes on and I know he's got junk that I can kick. And I was like, I think I can be really quick, precise, and then make a run for it. I knew where my car was located, and I knew as soon as I got there, I could call for help. So I don't know how I stalled him. I don't know if he was just looking at fright over my face because my face had to have been pale by this point because I'm still shocked that he's showing the knife. And then I just went for it. Like something said, this is where you become a man. You kick him in the balls, and you run, and he caught my leg. And then he just threw it right back down. And I just slip and my head hits a patch of ice. And the very first thing that I'm thinking is, oh, my head hurts. And then before I even knew it, Joe was right on top of me. And he got my legs into a hold. And then my other hand got tucked underneath my like thigh here, I guess. And then he just takes the switchblade he started tearing in. The first tear didn't really start going on what was happening. I'm still in shock, I think, from both the head hits and out of it from that. But at the same time, I'm like, maybe I'm out of it and dreaming this right now. This has got to be a nightmare. I'm going to wake up out of this. It was about the third one, I think, because the third one is where it just tore right through skin. And I screamed as I wanted the world to hear the scream because I'm like, Someone's gonna help me now. I'm wiggling, but I can't wiggle out of this hold. He's more than twice my size and has strength on me. I'm already weakened from now, the cuts, the hit on the head. I have no idea how I'm gonna get out of this now. So he's doing eight or nine cuts and he's being precise. Like I looked at his face twice. It was happiness, it was anger, it was craziness kind of all wrapped up in the one like it was just the scariest looking face because he's taking joy out of this right now so i just started yelling these words out as loud as i could just thinking someone's gonna come out for one of these i yelled out rape i yelled out help i yelled out fire i yelled out he's stabbing me and he kind of tried covering my mouth but it really didn't work because i could still wiggle my head so then i'm thinking no one's gonna come to my rescue I'm going to die a virgin in a mall parking lot. The blood at this point felt like someone just poured a soda kind of like that amount. Like just like I could see it trickling around the ground. And then he went through the pants. I feel the tear on my left first, my inner thigh, blood's coming out. And I'm like, is this really going to be the way I'm going to die? I'm going to be castrated now, I guess. I think he's going to go for the junk. This is a true cycle we're dealing with. Then goes under the right one. I'm like, I'm weak. I'm done for. I think this is it. The other end of the parking lot, I see like a yellow flashing light. Then I hear words, you stop. I see his head like look up and he just leaves. He just ran. I'm kind of getting up. The legs hurt a lot and the blood is kind of seeming through. And the very first thing I notice is my suit coat and my coat just falls right off my arm, but my shirt is dangling by a string from above my elbow to about my bicep. 
he had stabbed me what I found out was 15 times. There were a couple where like he hit bone. The mall security guard walks up to me. This first line wasn't like, are, are you all right? It wasn't something comforting. It was like, hey, we need to go fill out a police report. He's got this authority. <laughs> Coming from the authority that my manager had just exemplified earlier in the day. Authority had just fucked me over and gotten me into this place. At 17 years old, all I wanted was my mom and dad. Luckily, mom and dad lived 15 minutes away. And I'd never seen so much fright in both my mom and dad's face. I see my dad and he said, son, let's go to the hospital. I cried in their arms for like 10 minutes. I just didn't want to leave their arms. Joe eventually gets fired. We settle outside the court with the department store. Joe, he gets psychiatric care. We've got a restraining order on him. All right, never going to see him again. I just want to put this all behind me. So going to my freshman year of college, I come home for Easter break. And I've just left my parents' house. My dad calls my girlfriend's phone. And I think I've forgotten something. No, my dad tells me someone just visited as soon as I left. And it's Joe. So when he came to the door, he was like, all I wanted to do was apologize to you and your son. My dad's like, get off the fucking yard. You should know what you did to my son. I'm going to kill you if you don't leave. You know, like there's certain situations, I guess. You do something, it's better if you just leave them alone. When I look back at this now, at Target, nothing would have ever happened like this. I would have been sweating, pushing cards, maybe even sold it this day. I don't care. After that, didn't take my dad's advice on any other jobs. After all this has happened, I still have to write the story on Lord of the Flies. Now, obviously, my viewpoint on humans being inherently good has changed drastically, I think. So I decide I'm going to do it from the inherently evil and apply what I just went through and showing it maybe humans are inherently evil. I turned in the paper. After like a couple days, my teacher took me off to the side and he said, hey, Mike, can I see you? And he was okay. Remember at the beginning, before Christmas break, you, you were the only student that took inherently good. And I read your paper. I understood what happened to you. I just don't want you to lose sight of that. that I don't want you to give up. I want you to keep on keeping that mindset because those are always my favorite students that keep on going. So all throughout now, ever since this has happened though, I am 30 now. I haven't given up hope at all like that there is good in people. Like We've all been through something bad in our lives. Those are the things that I think always bring us back up to realizing how good life can be though. That is all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.